0: where was self-efficacy coming yeah, from?
1: That's right. Yeah, and yeah.
0: where where could we model or show the possibility without giving it all away, yeah. but not not harboring that victimhood? And I thought that was really powerful to say, we don't have to keep that cycle going. And so maybe just as a philosophical book, that was a starting point.
1: Hello, team builder, and thanks for dropping into the on team building podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cavert. Here at On Team Building, we find out about favorite tools, books, program ideas, lessons learned, and solid advice from team builders all over the world. Team builders everywhere have something to share with us. Let's go find out what it is. In today's episode, we're talking to Mariah Ement. Mariah is in therapeutic settings with youth. Most of her 20 plus years has been working with youth in and out of adventure, wilderness, team-building types of contexts. Most recently, she is working uh, for a nonprofit, and she's the resident team builder, helping her team grow and learn and understand uh, how they are together and how they become a community so they can also better serve the youth that they work with on a daily basis. Mariah and I talk about Uh, One of her favorite books that helped her and inspired her to get into adventure education. Uh, One of her favorite game props. And how she approaches processing in a therapeutic setting and in kind of adventure team building settings where you're solving problems and challenges together. And something I learned from her during this interview about how we approach processing The group as individuals helping each individual on their particular plan or their whatever they're working on. It's not so much about an intact group moving forward together, it's about a group supporting each other as each one of them goes through some uh, growing and stretching and challenges, and they support each other during that. Uh, Experience, so I hope you um, stick with this interview. It's a little bit noisy in the background. Mariah and I uh, are—we did this interview at a in the lobby of a conference, one of our favorite conferences, and the place that we meet every year. Uh, We are con friends, as we say, and uh, it's you know just imagine it's a coffee shop. Grab a cup of coffee, grab a tea, whatever your favorite warm beverage, and just kind of. Pretend you're hanging out in the coffee shop listening to a great interview. So I hope you enjoy. Mariah, thanks so much for joining us on the show. How's, how are things going today?
0: Today is great. Thanks, Chris. I'm so excited to have a moment with you.
1: This is fun. We only get to see each other at this point in time at this conference. And it's one of my favorites. I think you've been here for a really super long time. And you kind of lead the crew of this National Challenge Course Practitioner Symposium, but it's now the UnConference. UnConference,
0: yes. And we'll
1: put links to the show notes for those of you who would love to join this. It's an amazing space. I won't take up a lot of time now, but I'll explain a little bit more and give you a link to find out about this conference because it's just a very unique experience. So let's, people, I wanna know, I wanna know more. That's, one of my goals was to get an interview with you at this conference because I don't see you very much and to find out where you, what, what, what's team building for you, what would, what would you say, we know, I, the introduction where I told people you were in mostly youth in a therapeutic setting, what, what book helped you in that endeavor? Like, how do you start, because you started a while ago, so the idea is what did you start, what helped you to get into this adventure ed kind of field in a therapeutic setting?
0: You know, it's funny to ask because I just relocated one of my bookcases and I have books upon book, upon book boxes that are all about adventure ed, learning, uh, experiential education, who've moved my cheese, oh, yeah. I, all of the good books that we've read. But I think if you started out with Islands of Healing was one of those quintessential points where I felt like not only are we having a good time playing some games and learning but there's this element where we're healing or we're taking just that moment for that human spirit to really reconnect with themselves. And I was mind blown at that time thinking, if this could happen, I could be a part of that. And I wanted to be a part of that movement of saying, not only can we be outside in nature and using all of this experiential education, ropes course, challenge course, all of that together could be just a powerful force for a human spirit. That's what I wanted in on.
1: Oh, very cool. And and I'm going to look I'm going to check into this, but it came to mind I think that was the first book that coined the phrase adventure-based counseling, like ABC I think.
0: I'm pretty sure that's where that came from. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and I also believe it was the first book that came out of Project Adventure. Uh, there 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 was there was another one And I'll look that up and put it in the show notes. That preceded it, but it was more taking kids in the outdoors and doing academics. But the adventure-based counseling one, the Islands of Healing, was the first compilation of some activities, some reference to, not too many activities, but how to do it. How do you take kids in the outdoors or a challenge course and help them through therapeutic quoted kind of right um, the aspect of what they're going through do you remember anything that you still recall of what um, comes to mind about islands of healing and what was engaging about it I remember like the adventure wave I know the adventure wave right that one part do you remember how that works
0: Uh, I I probably at this moment couldn't pick a single thing out of that book other than recognizing like where was self-efficacy coming from and where where could we model or show the possibility without giving it all away but not not harboring that victimhood and I thought that was really powerful to say we don't have to keep that cycle going and so maybe just as a philosophical book that was a starting point I think we you know you get into this field and you're like whoa, that's, you know, that's one of those points. And then it's just like a, a, an explosion of trajectory. I mean, as far as, um, you know, taking classes on campus for uh, adventure leaders or adventure therapy or just being wilderness therapy, uh, a lot of it, the ABC part didn't come in because wilderness therapy, I think, had a stronger hold right about that time. Okay. And so it was almost like if you wanted to do adventure-based counseling, you started in wilderness therapy first.
1: Got it, got it. Okay.
0: You needed all the technical skills yeah. before you did all that other stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I remember that being um, the first book. Silver Bullets was the first, from Carl Ronka was the first book I got my hands on. Yeah. And then understanding how to use Silver there. Bullets came from Islands of Healing. Right. It was the first wilderness therapy job I had. Um, it was on their bookshelf. And I loved the activities because that's the kind of person I was. Yeah. But then the island's healing started to make sense of how to put things together mm-hmm. and it, and it wasn't to me it wasn't really all about counseling it was about group work right helping yeah. and like you said discovering your where, where it was it self efficacy and having that confidence mm-hmm. and then adventure became that place where we challenged our confidence yeah cool any any there's got to be a favorite prop that you How about a game prop you got one that you like to use or like a rubber to use? chicken Rubber chicken good okay. gravy
0: I could use a rubber chicken for just about everything you know okay. you could and and kids were so uh amazed almost that like you'd be pulling out a rubber chicken out of your bag like you've got all this other stuff in there you know balls and blindfolds or ropes or whatever and all of a sudden out came this rubber chicken and they were like they just lost it, you know. Their inner child within them was like, "All right, now we are we're doing this work, or we're doing this thing that we're here to do today." This chick's pulling out a rubber chicken to play with. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I almost always in a name game. Like I brought it out early. I used it often. We so changed tell me, it. tell
1: me, share a name game that you would do with a rubber chicken, if that's possible to describe. So hopefully, people understand a rubber chicken is basically it looks like a chicken. And it's rubber.
0: Yeah, it's... Yeah. yeah. I actually have a rubber pig, too, by the way. So oh, there, there are others. Yeah, there, there are other some animals. other animals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. The rubber pig squeals, and so when I put yeah. them in my bag to travel, I have to make sure that that bag is on top, because it... Heee, you know, when yeah. you hit it, and so when you're traveling, it, yeah. it would, it's very noisy. Anyway, so um, if it, just like a, a name toss, where you'd start... I'd pick up a big fuzzy ball, and I'd be like, hey, Maria, pass... You know, and you'd pass it, pass it, pass it, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you'd throw a few more things in there, and I would throw like teddy bears and then all came this rubber chicken and kids lost it at that point. Yeah. They are like rubber chicken and they'd have to spin it around and do all these th- things and then we'd yeah. have to refocus and then you could debrief on a rubber chicken uh, and then we would name the rubber chicken throughout our day and somebody would make sure that the rubber chicken was with us nice. and it just created this other sense of like uh, you know th- we could own this funny prop and right.
1: yeah. I think, I think I, I'm not haven't done a rubber chicken a lot but recently it's a squeaky frog
0: oh squeaky frog yeah just yeah. same
1: kind of thing it's novel mm-hmm. and it's interesting and then we carry the frog around like it's part of the group and yeah. that sort of thing
0: i have the toad and it's almost too yucky
1: yeah yeah
0: some kids are like totally turned
1: off of it but the the, to- the toad doesn't have a doesn't my mine didn't squeak Uh uh-uh, Mine doesn't squeak. yeah yeah you, it was yeah. kind of foam it's just mine's ugly it's yeah, big yeah yeah so my squeaky frog is my favorite uh, at this point in time, but I, a friend of mine does a chicken. The one activity I do with a rubber chicken, that I why I still have a rubber chicken, it, and he calls it "What's Your Chicken's." Oh, so you do a group juggle with tennis balls. So it's, it's it's this familiar object, and it, they're all the same. Okay. And you're juggling. You create a pattern. You're getting really smooth, and you get kind of maybe complacent a little bit, and then you. The rule is whatever you get, you have to pass on in uh-huh. your pattern, and then all of a sudden I introduce the rubber chicken and then it's either a positive distraction or a negative distraction or did it did it mess you up did it did it excite you did it did it make you mad because it it you you failed or you dropped it so then that metaphor of what are your chickens and then we talk about in your life what are the chickens that show up right is it are they good chickens are they bad chickens how do you deal with the chickens um, so that's that's one that, that's the one I use with a rubber chicken. I don't do anything else with a rubber chicken at this point in time. But apparently at this conference, um, people have been talking about rubber chickens a lot. So now that's maybe a rebuzz of, hey, maybe we'll do rubber chicken some more again. But that's right. cool.
0: Maybe somewhere awesome. we saw it in a book and we're like, maybe we should try that again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh
1: man, getting around to that age, right. So um, I know so therapeutic populations with youth when you approach processing, Mm -hmm. talking about experiences, Mm -hmm. do you have a go-to tool or question or model that you use more often than other things? Is there something, or do you have more mix it up a lot and what's a favorite? Well, you you always
0: have to ask, well, how do you feel about that?
1: How do you feel? just kidding. <laughs> that was a joke, everybody. That was a joke. <laughs> that comes later. That, right. When you're doing SEL workshops, then we talk about right. how we feel. And then we define our feelings, and then we go, now, right. so there's a resurgence, but be careful. Yes. Don't take Mariah's yeah, no, joke too I, seriously. I, well, what do you think? What do you, what it, do you jump to?
0: You know, it's, it's always an interesting moment to uh, process a therapeutic group. Uh, individually because you did the activity as a group but what is about the what is it about the insight personally because really on in a therapeutic setting you're doing these things together but it's very focused on what that person is or isn't doing or can or can't do or to to really like that self-esteem self-efficacy self-image so being very careful not to ask broad group questions and, for
1: example, you got um, like, an example? Like,
0: tell us about the leadership in the group oh, or okay, who okay. took control. It's not about a group process. Hmm. Uh, for most of the therapeutic groups I've worked with, they're smaller in size, they're fewer in number. We're doing six to eight people. Not Now I've done lots of like fifth grades, you know, where you've got, you know, four classes or something and you're yeah. doing huge groups. But if you're doing a therapeutic group, you generally need a lot more adult ratio just to, like, listen and be present. Because what I find is that if you can say, I see you, I hear you, you've started a powerful tool of relationship Mm. where you can take any activity and build it into a process of their need of therapeutic moment. Because it's not, I mean, we all do our own work, right? But for that person that you're working with no matter their age if you can really say I see you I hear you in such a non-judgmental open and accepting way you've started this relationship that could really be a goldmine because they're just looking for especially in adolescence they're just looking for people who says it's okay to be me and so this work that we do is so easy to say I see you I hear you and to do some of those internal processes like what was your part In this team effort how did you show up uh, in this moment if the difficulty was there how did you take care of yourself Mm -hmm. because remember that yes and that no are just as strong and if we don't emphasize you can say no you know we can lose some of that so some of it's definitely tailored to who you're working with and what you're doing and da 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 but i see you i hear you in an in in individual processing is a really great way to start those therapeutic group processes. That's a great
1: point because I'm understanding more and more of I talked with someone recently about how his groups are always different. Mm -hmm. There there may be he'll go to a site Mm -hmm. to do team building and there might be some of the same ones he saw last time but now there's difference. So I'm, I'm starting to get this not assumption but this understanding that it's they're not necessarily there to to be a better group cuz they they're not intact. Right. They're there that makes sense now. They're there to work on themselves within a social setting and I'm sure social stuff will come up. Right. But it's more about recognizing the individual and their contribution. Right. Cool. That's a nice distinction. I really like that. And
0: Excellent. there's some aspect that some of the work they do, they need peer to peer work. They need to be also seen and heard by a peer right, right, uh, because that is a very effective tool for many aged populations that are like 12 year olds great 15 year olds super important you know so I think we have to also take into context that I as a supportive adult can say something but if a peer says something it almost holds greater value
1: yeah Yeah. right
0: and so we I, I think that sometimes when you even do mixed groups groups who um, have uh, who who might be more of a mentor working with somebody who's working on it working on whatever it is right Uh, or doing uh, youth who have been in the program for a little while with new youth and making that um, mix because once you've we call it the milieu which would be just that who's in the setting at that time if you are purposefully picking who's in that milieu to like work together you can have a really powerful dynamic group and the game you played or the activity you proposed wasn't, was nothing. It could have been the easiest thing on the planet. But the group you picked and the questions you asked couldn't create that powerful current of getting downriver, yeah. of really not getting stuck on a rock, of making yeah. sure people realize like, paddle, we got this, we're here with you.
1: Yeah, cool. Wow. My brain is going in all different kinds of directions. Very cool. Um, let's see, well, let, let's try it. let's get another question. It's too easy to go down rabbit holes, but we're going to find some other things. If you, now, so, now recently you don't do as much team building, but you work with a nonprofit, Right. How do you see yourself, do you see yourself at all as a team builder in any sort of fashion within the nonprofit you're working with and how does that lo- what does that look like? I am the
0: master team builder.
1: You are the master team builder. Yes, and I say
0: master team builder, not from an ego sense, but as the person looking at the staff members I work with and the work that we do, and nonprofits can be kind of hard. There's always a lot of tension about funding and who's got a grant and what your position is and how much you get paid if, because we may not be paying at the same current rate as something else. And then we really end up with some of the toughest cases. You know, we end up with kids in foster care or kids in our community who have a lot of needs who aren't being well managed or taken care of. So we have a a center where people can youth can come in, and it's kind of like a daily center. So we might see kids five days, we might see them once. And so for the staff that I work with, really helping them a feel engaged with us as a staff, so they feel supported at our center you know everybody has a place uh, and and, then a purpose and how do we engage with one another on a relationship basis and then how do we carry that into the work we do with the youth we work with so that we're all very relationship centered it's not about what they bring or what they think they need or what you you have to get them or give them it's can we build this really like clean, healthy, positive boundary relationship with another human being that could be the basis of getting them from day to day. Okay. Without necessarily being the only person responsible because sometimes when we're working in small sections or niches or sectors, we feel like if I don't do it, who will? And it's not any one person's responsibility to save another human being. It's just to be present. And so often it's hard to be present with our baggage or with whatever's happening or with our day and really coaching staff and working with them in a caring way to say you're part of this team and the team is the support like and I'm making little hand gestures with the hub and the wheel right because it's going to revolve and if we if we don't understand their spokes right the wheels not going to go anyway and one spoke doesn't make a wheel Right? And so our team gets this concept in their head, like I'm not alone, I've got a lot of supports. If something comes in the door and and it really creates this really great work culture. Where yeah. People love to come to work and do their job with passion. Be really present. Be present with hard cases, with suicide, with anything that walks into the door and say, We're here to be us. Yeah. Right? So it's almost this beautiful extension of all the team build team building work we do into this real life application that says If we didn't, if I didn't do the work I do as a team builder to make sure that these people are really feeling good in their jobs, we would have high burnout, turnover, conflict, maybe a toxic work culture. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to come to work and do that. We can create a very high sense of purpose with just a few things in the experiential education world applied to just regular supervision and management.
1: Yeah. So, and as team builders, we kind of learn about norming. Is there, within your organization, and working with these challenges, mm-hmm. is there a particular norm that you can think of that helps, that you've all kind of agreed to kind of, we're going to do this together, that helps to keep that team supporting each other and, and reaching out for help? or. We call a it check can- and balance. Check and balance, okay. Check
0: and balance, and that helps us understand that I made a, mis- I made a decision, and I, a lot of my staff members have to make decisions on their own. We don't necessarily all have overlapping schedules or okay. somebody's in and out. And the check and balance says, I made a decision. I want to just check in with another person to balance out that I felt like I did a really good job, and if it happened again, would I do the same thing, or was there something I might have missed? Because I want them to realize like you're gonna make a decision in the spur of the moment and that might be difficult there might be a lot of things going on but do the best you can and then check in balance do your own self internal processing how did it go who did it in? how did I feel you know what could I've done better they're doing their own processing their own debriefing inside of themselves and the check and balance helps us keep accountable to say in this one moment how do you feel like this went great, good job, or oh, I could see how you'd make that decision, and we're very supportive about having to make decisions on the fly, asking for support, and then also getting double support, kind of on the back end to say if that ever happened again, I would also maybe think about X, Y, or Z oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Nice. And so then you don't leave situations that might have been stressful or high conflict unattended.
1: Yeah. you yeah.
0: dealt with them, kind of like reordered them, filed them in the back of the brain, and on you go.
1: Cool. So, so I, I like that. So you're getting a little affirmation. If, if things went well, you thought they went well, others might also think, but then you're getting another perspective mm-hmm. yeah. of that. It's not about yeah. always having to get together in a big group and and debrief everything check in with somebody else just so you're doing that work that's yeah. nice that's a nice tool for probably even facilitators right and then just checking in with other facilitator that's all you might need to to get that learning to anchor that learning yeah awesome let's do one last question in relation to adventure therapy the therapy the people doing therapeutic work in challenge courses can you give those people a nugget of advice in their work because I know that's that area's high level of burnout because of the challenges that you right. face yeah is there something that you have done or or did when you were doing more of that work that mm-hmm. helped you to get through some of the tough times anything that comes to mind
0: I could probably think of fifty however <laughs> if we pick one of the biggest maybe is to Uh, Come to work with the perception that I am here. uh, The facilitator word, I think, is the key point. I'm not here to give. I'm not here to take. I'm not here to receive, per se. I'm here to facilitate, which is that beautiful reciprocity of guiding and and giving and taking to say, there are the people that come to your adventure therapy, your therapeutic groups we may never know the level of trauma that is behind Mm. them but we also don't understand the level of resilience they're going to bring and so if we if we assume that these people are broken or uh, whatever the whatever it is they're they're damaged goods that is a terrible way to look at the people we work with Mm -hmm. but if you see them as dynamic potentials and you see them that even if today on the challenge course or today in my therapeutic processing group could be a train wreck for them that doesn't mean what you said and did isn't going to be filed back in their little brain for a different day when they're like I remember this and this is what that woman said or this is what that guy said to really give them the opportunity that when you show up to do the work you have to take care of yourself but you really want to give the perception of anything is possible your brain your life is always yours. And if I help you look at you as your being of potential, everything's possible, no matter what happened. I mean, we have people like Tony Robbins, incredible stories, Sir Richard Branson, incredible stories like of, they didn't come from money, they came from poverty and then worked their way up and got some great lucky breaks and things. But our kids that we work with, I feel like they're the same way. And if I give them any less or assume any less or expect any less, We've failed them. And so I feel like that excellence within the gift of presence is really what helps awesome. this industry. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Mariah, thank you so much for your time. This is great. I again we might have to reach out and connect in some other way and talk about some other topics. So um, grateful for your time and thank you for being on the show.
0: Well thank you very much. Please. I, I'd love to have another conversation.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the On Team Building Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode at onteambuilding.com forward slash podcast. That's onteambuilding.com forward slash podcast. You'll find links and resources mentioned in the show and contact information for today's guest. Interested in more team building resources? Would you like an email with free team building activities ideas sent to you every two weeks? Then go visit Fundoing.com, F-U-N-D-O-I-N-G.com and sign up for Fundoing Fridays. While you're there, check out the Fundoing blog with over four years of team building activity posts and visit the store for downloadable activity books and team building kits. And be sure to check out the On Team Building blog and get involved in the conversations about a variety of team-building topics. Until next time, continue to do the good work, help others learn and grow, and keep us posted.